Ah, I feel like I've been standing under the waterfall of God. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you all for entering into worship with us. Second Kings chapter 2 tonight. We have three more weeks. Tonight, and then the 9th, and then the 16th, and then we'll take a couple Wednesdays off, the 23rd and 30th, and then we'll hit the ground running the first Wednesday of January, starting in Daniel. Hope you'll join us for that. If you weren't here last week, I was sharing with them that starting in the new year, we're going to be taking 2021, looking at Daniel and Revelation on Wednesday nights. These next couple of weeks really center around legacy. What kind of spiritual legacy are we going to leave behind? Even on a day-to-day basis, what is the atmosphere that we leave behind as we pass by or pass through life? We are to be a sweet aroma of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Do we leave that sweet aroma behind us as we travel through life? What are we leaving behind? What are we passing on to those behind us, if you will? I love what the psalmist said. He said, Lord, don't take me home until I have the opportunity to share with the next generation your strength and to express to them and demonstrate to them your power in my life. For him, it was very important that others see what God was doing in his life and the reality of God in his life and how that he was to be passing that on and passing that along. And that's always part of it because we're always part of something bigger than ourselves, which is why God calls us to come together. Our spiritual growth does not take place in a vacuum. God called us together so that we could grow together and benefit from each other and profit from each other. And I dare say that our spiritual legacy and even identity does not take place in a vacuum. You and I become who we are by our interaction with others. That's the way God designed it to be, you see. And we see that playing out in the life of Elijah and Elisha. And so what I want to do tonight I just want to go down through the first eight verses of 2 Kings chapter 2. And as we go down and read this, I'm going to make several comments, but I want to go back and I want to highlight two primary things out of these eight verses tonight, and then we'll watch Elijah go up into the whirlwind next Wednesday night. Two primary things I want to talk about tonight. Traveling companions, spiritual traveling companions. That's who Elijah and Elisha were. They were spiritual partners. They were spiritual traveling companions. So I want to talk about that dynamic tonight. And then the second thing I want to talk about tonight are standing stones. And we see four geographical places in the first eight verses where there were standing stones. And we're going to talk about what that practice was all about and how you and I can even apply that practice to our life today to, again, leave behind as we go through life things for others to see. Those four places we read about here are Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and the Jordan. So please follow along with me as I read the first eight verses of 2 Kings chapter 2. Again, looking at it through the eyes of 
traveling companions, the dynamic between Elijah and Elisha, and standing stone places, those four geographical locations I just mentioned. Just before the Lord took Elijah up to heaven, by the way, God believes in heaven. <laughs> there is a real place called heaven, and that's where Elijah was going when God sent that fiery chariot and horses down to get him. He didn't go somewhere else. He wasn't just in some, you know, weird place just on hold until everything. No, no, he went to heaven. Same thing with us. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, Paul said. You and I will go, just like Elijah, straight to heaven, either when the Lord comes back for us or when we die. He took him to heaven, though, in a windstorm. There's a way to go. A tempest, a whirlwind. You know, that reminds us of the fact that you and I don't get to choose the way we go to heaven. I know there, there's folks that I've talked to who said, I, I wish God would grant me this wish, that some night I just go to bed and I just don't wake up, I wake up in heaven. That's the way I want to go. And it, hey, I'm sure that would be the way we'd all want to go. But, but God has even the way we go to heaven designed to glorify him. Amen. And that's not something for us to choose. That's something for us to live out to his glory. In a sense, Elijah went to heaven the way he lived. He was, a, he was a spiritual tornado everywhere he went. And then it says this. Before he took Elijah to heaven in a windstorm, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal, traveling companions, walking the same road. And remember, I even said last week that even their names complement each other. Yahweh is God. And God is salvation. Elijah told Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as certainly as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Some members of the prophetic guild in Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you know that today the Lord is going to take your master from you? And he answered, yes, I know. Shh, be quiet. Now, a couple of things before we move on to verse 4. The prophetic guild is mentioned three times in this passage of Scripture. Verse 3, verse 5, and verse 7. It was simply a training school for prophets. Okay? Again, legacy. They were training the next generation to connect with God, to worship God, to listen for God's voice, to hear God's voice, to follow God's voice. There's that dynamic in play here in a much bigger way than even just the partnership between Elijah and Elisha. I, I have shared this with you before, but I think it's very fitting to share it again tonight. And for some of you, it may be the first time you've heard it if you're new to the Oasis, because I can't remember the last time I did. But if you and I are to live sort of a balanced, healthy, whole Christian life, we each need a Paul in our life, someone who is mentoring us, someone who's pouring into us. 
Each of us needs a Barnabas, someone that we consider to be a spiritual equal that we're traveling the same road with and we're about at the same place spiritually. And then each of us needs a Timothy in our life, someone that we're pouring into, someone that we're mentoring, someone that we're discipling. Now, it can be different people throughout our life. And sometimes God even allows one person that's rare, but it happens. It's happened in my life. One person to fill all three roles at the same time, okay? But that's so that we are being discipled and growing and learning from someone, but we also have someone that we're doing life and ministry with on a, on a daily basis, but we're also mindful of the fact that, again, we need to be living, leaving a legacy, we need to be pouring ourselves and influencing those who are coming after us. That's what the prophetic guild is modeling for us here in this passage of Scripture. The other thing you'll note is this. Notice in verse 3 that the prophets in training in this prophetic guild, evidently the Lord had revealed to them about Elijah's imminent departure because they know hey, you know God's getting ready to take Elijah. And it reminds us there are times where God sort of gives us a heads up of what's coming. He, he may not be specific, but he sort, of, he sort of gives us enough information to know, hey, be ready. Something's about to change or I'm getting ready to do something. And that was certainly true here. And part of the reason why he was doing that with this group of, of prophets in training was, if they were going to be his prophets, they had to begin to discern and listen and hear his voice and to know what God's voice sounded like in their life so that they could follow it, you see. And then I love Elisha's response. It's very honest and very human. I mean, he knows, obviously, one day he and Elijah are going to have to part ways. One of them's going to go to heaven before the other one, but his answer of just be quiet in a sense, I don't want to hear that, is reflecting his sorrow at the prospect of losing his friend for a time. Do you have that kind of spiritual traveling companion in your life? You see, someone that if God were to take them home or you were to separate from them, it would cause you great pain and great grief because you've traveled down that road together. And as I said last week, you share the same passion and purpose for God. And, and because of that, you are knit together, knit together. Well, verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he replied, as certainly as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Some members of the prophetic guild in Jericho approached Elisha and said, Do you know that today the Lord is going to take your master from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be quiet. Shh. Elijah said to him in verse 6, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he replied, As certainly as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they traveled on together. Note those four words. Traveling companion. They traveled the road together. 
The 50 members of the prophetic guild went and stood opposite them at a distance while Elijah and Elisha stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, folded it up, and hit the water with it, and the water divided, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Before I go on to something else, again, notice verse 8. It reminds us of something. God is a God of miracles. And Elijah had no hesitation to take his prophetic robe off and hit the water. It was like he expected, he anticipated his God to do things. Why? Because he'd seen his God do things in the past, Mount Carmel and other places. In other words, he, he, he lived anticipating and expecting God to do great and amazing and wonderful things that others would be in awe and wonder of. And I think that God is the same today. He's looking for individuals and he's looking for groups of, of Christians who expect him and anticipate that he will do miracles and do great things. And guess what? When God finds people like that, he does. He does. And then the other thing I want to point out is this, about the division of the water. Doesn't it remind you again of the children of Israel in the book of Joshua? We're going to go there in just a minute. When they crossed over the Jordan on dry ground or when the children of Israel come out of Egypt and they went through the Red Sea on dry ground, God will make a way. Even when there seems to be no way, God can part waters in our lives God can part and divide waters that seemingly cannot be divided in some way. That wh Where is the way? God can make a way. And God is a God of miracles. Now, going back here for just a moment, I, I want to talk again for a little bit about traveling companions. The, the Bible tells us that we should desire a relationship with another Christian, a friend, a spiritual traveling companion that sharpens us. Iron sharpens iron. And every once in a while, then, we can find someone, someone in our life who not only that we do life and, and ministry with, who supports us and encourages us, but who also strengthens us and sharpens us. They're the best kind, because that's the way God designed these spiritual traveling companions to be. You see, I, I think in this case, Elijah was certainly older than Elisha, so I'm sure that there was some training and mentoring and discipleship going on, but there were great things that Elijah was learning from the prophet Elisha, too. They both were mutually benefiting from this partnership. And by the way, by the time we get to 2 Kings 2, where we are tonight, from where we were last week, whenever he, Elijah invited Elisha to come along with him, probably at least 10 years. At least 10 years they've been traveling together, you see. The other thing I want us to note is this. If you don't have someone like that in your life, or you're not like that with someone in your life, ask God to give you someone. And let God be the one to bring that person into your life rather than you go looking for that person. 
Because guess what? God knows exactly who the best traveling companion for you will be, even better than you and I do. And when we allow him to bring those spiritual traveling companions and partners into our life and friends into our life, and they can be an Elijah and Elisha dynamic, oh, what great benefit, because it's in that friendship, it's in that partnership, it's in those traveling companions that, again, not only is our spiritual growth enhanced, because we don't grow in a vacuum, we grow from each other and, and the dynamic of being around each other and being with each other, but our spiritual identity and our spiritual legacy is also formed out of those relationships because God does knit us together and intertwines our lives so that we're part of something, again, much bigger than ourselves. The, the other thing I want to say is this, and then just one more thing, and then I need to move on. It's really only practical that we probably have just one or at the most two people like that in our lives It's at that level. Because as human beings, we only have the time, the energy, and the effort to pour into a relationship at that kind of a level. You and I just can't have 15 people at that level in our life. If you're trying to juggle that many people at the kind of level that Elijah and Elisha were, you're never going to have the depth of the relationship that can bring the kind of dynamic about that was happening between Elijah and Elisha. Or let me give you another biblical example. David and Jonathan would be another dynamic where that was happening. So don't try to, you know, fall into the sort of the influence of the world today. You know, I got 10,000 followers. Nice. God bless you. But is your heart knit to their heart, any of them? Is there a depth to the relationship? Can you really count on them and rely on them and depend on them? Do they strengthen you and sharpen you and and support you spiritually, I mean, or is it just, you know, surface, superficial? See, we've got to be willing to go beyond that to get to this level. And yet God designed us to have a few people in our life that we can look back over our life and say, they were my traveling companions. I had many acquaintances. I may have had many friends, but I only had a few spiritual traveling companions to the level that Elijah and Elisha were. And notice something here in this dynamic. I'm sure you noticed it as we read it, that it was almost like Elijah kept telling Elisha, leave me alone, I'm, I'm going on by myself type of thing, and, you know, God's called me here, you just stay here. I can't answer why Elijah was doing that. Was it a test? It could have been. It could have been, I'm going to test my partner to see if... He going to stick with me through everything or, you know, maybe he was just like, uh, it could be too dangerous, whatever. I don't know. But here's what we do know for sure. Elisha wasn't going to leave the side of Elijah. Notice three times in verse 2, in verse 4, and in verse 6, he says, I will not leave you. 
And what Elisha was demonstrating to Elijah was a faithfulness and loyalty. And why is that important? Because if you and I are going to serve the Lord and minister for the Lord, we've got to be faithful and loyal to him and to others. That's why the Bible talks about qualities like steadfastness and stick-to-itiveness and, and tenacity and fortitude and persistence and all these wonderful qualities. Because if you and I are going to minister for the Lord and we're going to serve the Lord for any length of time, dealing with all the challenges, obstacles, and all the struggles that, that ministry for the Lord is, is going to entail, there needs to be sort of a, a spiritual stubbornness to us and a faithfulness not only to God, but a faithfulness to our and loyalty to our traveling companions. Say, nope, you're still with me. I'm by your side through everything, because that was Elisha's words to Elijah. And I couldn't help but think of another place in Scripture where I heard a commitment like that from one to another. You don't have to turn there, but I'm reading the words of Ruth to her mother-in-law, Naomi, in the book of Ruth, where Naomi kept saying, Ruth, go back to your people. And here's Ruth's reply. Stop urging me to abandon you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will become my people, and your God will become my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And may the Lord punish me severely if I do not keep my promise. Only death will be able to separate me from you. That's faithfulness and loyalty. And God blessed Ruth because of her faithfulness and loyalty, not just to him, but to Naomi. See, God looks for that kind of quality in us. He wants us to have that kind of glue in our life to, to certain people. And that certainly was expressed from Elisha's heart to Elijah. And I think that made the prospect of separation that much harder, obviously. Because the closer you are to someone, the more endearing they are, the more love and affection and appreciation and all that you have for someone when they're no longer around, it's going to affect you that much more. So no wonder he was like, just be quiet. I don't want to deal with that. And next week we will see Elisha expressing grief, but also working through that and going on with his life and continuing to be used by God in an unbelievable way. Traveling companion. But let's get to standing stones for just a minute. Again, let's go back up to verse 1. The first place they traveled from was Gilgal. Please turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4, beginning at verse 19. What is the significance of Gilgal? Well, it was a prominent place of worship. And why was that? Well, it was the first place after the people crossed the Jordan River, Joshua chapter 4, verse 19, it was the first place after the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River as they entered into the promised land. So it was significant. It was like 
This is our first taste of the promised land. We now are beginning to see all that God promised us many generations ago, but because we were disobedient and unbelieving, we weren't able to realize it. So the Bible says in Joshua 4:19, the people went up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and camped in Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Now Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. He told the Israelites, when your children someday ask their fathers, what do these stones represent? Explain to your children, Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. These standing stones were to be a memorial of God's blessing and greatness and provision and protection of his people. It was a significant place. So they piled up these stones as a marker that as they passed by and as subsequent generations and people passed by, it was like, God did something great there. You see, Gilgal. Well, let's move on. Let's go back one chapter to Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. So when the people left their tents to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. When the ones carrying the Ark reached the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark touched the surface of the water, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest time. The water coming downstream stopped flowing. It piled up as far upstream as Adam. There was no water at all flowing to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. All Israel crossed over on dry ground until the entire nation was on the other side. And when they got there, notice verse 3 of chapter 4, instruct them, pick up the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests... And kept. So Gilgal, yes, but the Jordan was also significant. Guess what? These were the two places that Elijah and Elisha visited before God took him up. Why? Because I think Elijah just wanted to do maybe some reminiscing about how faithful God had been over his life and the life of his people. And I think he was using this as an instruction to Elisha to say, don't ever forget what God did at the Jordan. Don't ever forget what God did at Gilgal. Let's go back to the book of Genesis just briefly, the Genesis chapter 28 and verse 18. Genesis 28. Verse 18, this is where Jacob had an encounter with God. This is where he saw the ladder, if you will, going up and down from heaven to earth and the angels of God going up and down on it. He had a tremendous encounter with the Lord in the Lord's presence. In fact, in verse 17, he says, what an awesome place this is. Why? Because God was here. So verse 18 says, early in the morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed near his head and set it up as a sacred stone. Then he poured oil on top of it, and he called the place Bethel. It was a special place. It was a significant place for him spiritually. So he marked it. One other one I want to mention back in 2 Kings is Jericho, and there were a lot of stones in Jericho to remind us what God did, right? Because the whole city crumbled and literally was a pile of stones that was a reminder of God's greatness and God's blessing upon his people. Do we have 
standing stone places in our life, places that demonstrated God's blessing and his greatness and his provision and his protection and his moving in our life? Are there places that are significant to us because of what God has done in our life at those places? Have we marked them in some way? either in our minds or by keeping a journal or even by maybe physically piling up some stones somewhere. Not that God's against that. Your neighbors might think you're a little weird. I don't know. I'll say this. As the pastor of the Oasis Church, I hope someday that for many, this church, this building simply represents a stone, but that this place of worship could be a standing stone, a place where people pass and go, God met me there. I grew there. I felt the presence of God there. I met other people of like-mindedness there. It may be a standing stone. We need those kinds of reminders and standing stones in our life because we all need to be reminded and mindful of the things that God has done to encourage us in the present and on into the future. That's why these stones were set up in Israel's day. It was also a way of leaving a legacy to those around us who were watching or those who were coming behind us. Whenever they would say, what are those stones for? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what God did there, you see. You and I need to be mindful to share those kind of God stories with others. And not just those of a younger generation, but to all those around us. That's part of how you and I build and create a spiritual legacy, like they were doing here with Elijah and Elisha. Those two men were creating a spiritual legacy through their partnership with each other and their partnership with God. They were creating a legacy through the prophetic guild, the training school for prophets. They were creating a, a spiritual legacy and part of something much bigger than themselves by being part of a nation of Israel who had standing stone places like Jericho and Gilgal and Bethel and the Jordan River. But here's what I want us to see tonight. Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse 5. Do you know that God calls us as believers in Jesus Christ living stones? Don't miss that. God calls his children living stones. In 1 Peter 2, 5, Jesus is the living stone, and because you and I are connected to the living stone, Jesus Christ, in 1 Peter 2, 4, then we are called living stones in verse 5. By the way, before I wrap this up tonight talking about us, let me go back to something. All those places where those ordinary rocks were piled up, doesn't it remind you of where Jesus said, even if my people are silent, the rocks will cry out? Well, guess what? Even the rocks praise him. Because those places where those rocks were piled up were places of worship. Those rocks were praising the Lord because of what they represented of what God did there. 
But you and I, you and I are called living stones. What's that mean? That means we, in our life, are to be a standing stone for other people. That as people view us and our life and how we live our life and what we're leaving behind as we live our life and what kind of legacy we're building and creating, we then are to be a place where people look at and go, God really is real. And God really is amazing. He is a God of awe and wonder. He is a God of miracles because I know so-and-so. And through knowing them, their life is a testimony and, and a witness and a reflection of their God. And I am seeing the reality of their God in them. Standing stone. And when you and I are mindful of the fact that God calls us living stones, carrying the very life of God within us. And God wants to put us out there so that others, just like the stones at the Jordan and the stones at Gilgal and the stones at Jericho and the stones at Bethel, represent. They are a memorial to God's grace, God's blessing, God's favor, and God's greatness. And our life is to be the same. We are to stand out in the world in which we live as his standing stones. Traveling companions and standing stones. Two elements of our life as Christians help us be mindful of our spiritual legacy and what are we leaving behind for others to see from our time on this earth? What kind of air, if you will, is about us? We talk about that dynamic with people. They, they have a certain air about them, right? When they walk into a room. And you and I are to be the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Is that the air that we're leaving behind? You see. Can others say, I think a Christian's been here. I think a follower of Jesus has been here. I think someone who knows God and believes God has been here because of what they've left behind. I love the fact that God allowed us as the Oasis to have a footprint in this community. Not that this is permanent. One day this won't even be here but at least while it's standing, it can be a standing stone. And people can look at the community that gathers here on Wednesday and Sunday and other days of the week and say, that place is a memorial to God's greatness and goodness and love and faithfulness. God wants us to be the same. And I also love the fact that though You and I 
may not have that relationship to the level of traveling companions, God has allowed us as pastor and people to do this thing called church together. And I don't believe that's going to end once you and I go to be with Jesus. I think the intertwining that we have together will be a significant part of who we are and what we are and what we do in glory because Paul even said to those that he was knit to, you're my joy, you're my glory, you're my crown. Paul was expressing the fact that, yes, heaven will be different in some ways, but it doesn't discount the fact that the special relationships that we have with each other on earth will not carry over into heaven. They will. So you poor folks have to put up with me for all of eternity. <laughs> so sorry for you. <laughs> hey, anyway, God is amazing, isn't he? And God, I'll say this, until the Lord gives you a human traveling companion in your life, don't ever forget this. God's the best traveling companion any of us can have. And God is our friend every day too. And God will travel down this road of life with us no matter what. But God does understand it's also important to have that flesh and blood connection with somebody too. And that's what he wants to do in our lives as well. Not only for our sake, but for someone else's sake. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for these great reminders out of the book of 2 Kings. And we pray tonight, God, more than anything, that, Lord, we would be aware of the fact that you want us to be living stones for you. You want us to be those standing stones, Lord, that you place out in our community and in this world, Lord, that, that is a memorial to your blessing and to your greatness to others so that we can begin to leave a spiritual legacy behind us, God. Would you, Lord, allow us to be a strong witness and a, a tremendous testimony to you in this place wherever we go, God? May people's lives be impacted and influenced because of our life with you, God. And may you draw others to yourself through us, God. These things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.